If you're a man, whether you're single or you're involved with an intimate partner, you need to understand this. And parents, grandparents need to listen to this and sit your young man down and explain this to him. You will face at least two false allegations in your lifetime. Welcome to Why Daddy Never Cries podcast with your host, Chuck Kelleher. At Why Daddy Never Cries, we'll explore the lives surrounding daddies, their children, divorce, and silent domestic violence. We'll hear real-life horror stories from unsung heroes fighting for the ability to stay in their children's lives. We'll get those voices heard and hopefully find solutions before you lunatics burn the whole place to the ground. Hang in there, daddies. Chuck's here. Chuck Kelleher and Why Daddy Never Cries are providing this podcast as a public service. I've known Chuck for 45 years, and he's neither a lawyer nor a mental health professional. He's not a doctor nor a rogue scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Chuck is simply a guy who's lived in hell for 20 years. Once he found a way out, he drew a map to help others navigate their own way home. The views and opinions expressed by Why Daddy Never Cries, employees, or our guests are their own. Guest appearance on the program do not imply an endorsement of them their opinions, or any entity they represent. And please, for the love of God, if you have any questions or fears about your unique circumstances, please contact a lawyer, a religious leader of your choice, or a medical professional in your area. Don't fuck this up, brothers, because we're all in this together. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Voss G2, for helping small and medium-sized businesses elevate their brand perception with design. Take your brand to the next level at VossG2.com. We'd also like to thank Harry Duran, and his team at Fullcast for their amazing assistance. If you're planning a podcast and you haven't contacted Fullcast, you might as well call your show Podfade. All right, how's everyone doing out there? Today we're talking with Bill Corbett, a man once again serving the American public by identifying systematic issues with our family court community, and he's ready to hold these people accountable. Bill and White Daddy Never Cries have a very similar goal, unite the tribes. Most men are laser focused in fixing their own problems, the lone wolf. We're kind of made that way, but we're not alone in this problem, guys. And Bill's here to point out how we can fix everyone's, not just our own problems. When you're listening to this episode, one major point that needs to be made. Your first priority, your only priority at this juncture, is to remain in your children's lives. If you haven't accomplished that goal, make that your focus. That's your only priority. They need you, Daddy. No matter what anybody else says, they need you, man. But you're not in this alone. That's the reason why Daddy Never Cries was formed. To let you know you're not alone. Now, if you're on the other side of hell, you have a relationship with your children, or they're already fully grown. Guess what, gentlemen, ladies, gray hairs? Your new mission is to make sure this never happens again to our sons, our nephews, or our grandsons. We have to slow down the growing numbers into the ranks of the Brotherhood of the Falsely Accused. I can't believe how many men are being separated from their children so someone could coercive control them. Didn't coin the phrase, but that's exactly what this business is. Mothers controlling fathers. Again, disclaimer, it's not everybody, but it's happening. In a world where headlines scream for attention, we choose to listen to the whispers that hold the true revelations. All right, let's get into this. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're here with Bill Corbett, who is a spokesperson for the men's right movement. And I'm going to tell you, he is an immovable force. This gentleman is taking the fight to the next level. Bill, welcome to the White Daddy Never Cries podcast. Hey, glad to have me. Appreciate it, man. It's an honor to be here. You guys do awesome work. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. Uh, what got you motivated? What got you into this fight? 
Uh, I went through a bad divorce. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to be our our MO for all of us. (laughs) I entered into the divorce. I actually sat down with her and said, look, it's obvious you don't want me in the relationship. You've created a very toxic environment in our house. Specifically, when the child is around, it started to impact the child. I was starting to see clear evidence of marital affairs that were occurring. I eventually found one of her lovers. When I sat down with her, I was like, look, no need to get the attorneys involved any more than they need to. We need to think about the child going forward and you give me what I want. I'll give you what you want. She jumped up. Now, my child is still there sitting in my lap, actually. She jumped up from the table and said, fuck you. I'm going to get you for everything you got. And if I can't put you in prison, I'm going to put you in prison. And I went, what the fuck? Okay, this is someone I've been in, involved with and married to both for around 14 years. Oh, wow. All right. Was it a new relationship? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a long-term guy. And I thought, what in the Who is this person? So it's trying to get my mind wrapped around it, really didn't understand domestic violence as far as a man being a victim. Right. And I was just shattered. I was totally shattered and torn apart. And one night I was so upset. I literally, we had a walk-in closet off the master bedroom, crawled into the back of the walk-in closet, closed all the doors so she couldn't hear me and called an attorney friend of mine. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was in tears. He said, Bill, get out of the house. She's trying to set you up for a DV. If she, domestic violence. If she gets you on a DV, you'll never see your girl again. Yeah. Unlike most couples, when they have a child, you know, they have it through natural conception. We went through seven rounds of IVF. Oh, wow. Yeah. Later, going through the divorce, I found medical paperwork that said she knew she had a genetic trait where she couldn't digest or couldn't process vitamin B well, which now meant essentially she's sterile. I didn't understand that. Went through multiple rounds of IVF. And finally, we have uh, we were blessed with the daughter we have now. But when he said DV, I thought, how in the world could she set me up for DV? I, I didn't. I'm like, I haven't done anything. And so just so everybody's aware, when I speak about her being a narcissist, she's actually been diagnosed oh. by a professional psychiatrist of having narcissistic personality disorder. I found the paperwork. So unlike most men who will go, my ex is a narcissist, I kind of stopped and I'm like, okay, she's been professionally diagnosed. And they go, well, uh, and they get kind of angry. Like she might have the symptoms might show the character traits. I understand you, but unless you got paperwork, it's subjective. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not arguing with the fact that they aren't portraying traits of a narcissist. That's not the discussion I have with men is like, to understand, I come from a different side of the table where there's medical clarity around me saying she's a narcissist. Long story short, I found the paperwork. I realized, oh my God. And so I started doing research on narcissism and sociopathic disorders and realized, yeah, one time when she was playing around as I was bottle feeding our child, she was not even a a couple of months old. She put a loaded gun to my head and said, oh, what would happen if I pulled the trigger? And I'm sitting there going, Jesus, put the weapon down. And that's not funny. What I didn't realize now that I understand her personality disorder and she has strong sociopathic and pathological tendencies is she was really thinking about blowing my brains out. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. But if you've never been exposed to domestic violence, especially the emotional and mental trauma that places you in, you don't understand the three levels of fear response. And I understood too. Okay. And as a military member, you go through high pressure situations and you fall back on your training. And the two fear responses are flight, run, or fight. Right. Okay. The one I never experienced in, until I went through my divorce and all that 
domestic battery, domestic violence, domestic assault, uh, attempted murder was freeze. I, I never experienced it until I went through it because I've never had anything impact me emotionally at that level. Yeah. And not knowing how to respond to it. I had no training to fall back on. I had nothing to go back to to direct my behavior. So I just froze, just literally froze. I couldn't think. I couldn't act. I couldn't respond. All I wanted to do was sit in a dark room with the lights off, didn't want to get out of bed. Well, now I'm in depression. And from that, it got worse and worse and worse to where I actually got very, very close to committing suicide. Been there. So I'm a weapons holder, CCP holder, had weapons around me my whole life. Even as a child, I understood the dangers, been in military, extensive law enforcement training, executive protection program training and experiences. I understand the damage a weapon does. I, I've seen it firsthand. Realizing I actually had it in my mouth. And if you're familiar with the weapon, it's a it's a Steyr M9. So it's similar to a Glock. It's got a safety trigger okay. and a, a concealed hammer. And I'd gone past the first safety. So you're familiar. It's like you're... Yeah, you're right there. You're milliseconds away from... And it's another story to go in about how I... What snapped me out of that. But... It's important for men to understand, one, we have to get organized, number one. There's too much fragmentation in the market. There's men doing their own stuff. I get it. There's fathers' rights, men's rights, activists doing their own stuff. I get it. But I'm starting to bring everybody together. Men need to be heard. Dan is amazing. He's been in this industry over 30 years professional counselor. He's He's been in the trenches. You know, he's gone through the stuff himself. I've gone through the stuff myself. Alan Donovan, he's another great figurehead out there. We're starting now to come together. And I've been saying since day one, we have got to get organized, number one. We need to get organized under a common banner, one flag, with a specific goal and direction that has quantifiable results. In other words, it's okay to come together. It's okay to talk. It's okay to get the message out there. But what's your goal? What's the end result? Correct. What's it going to produce? Mm -hmm. Okay. I know for a fact the attorneys are aware of the men's rights, father rights movements growing. I know that. I've spoken with them. Okay. They laugh. Yeah, I know. Okay. They do. They laugh like, you're getting your word out. Big deal. You're not going to change nothing. So having completed my divorce, I literally sat around and went, I can't be the only one. I, I can't. So I started going to veteran groups meetings, men's groups meetings here in Atlanta, where I'm from. Got on the web, did a bunch of self-education, discovered MGTOW, discovered uh, Red Pill. Then I started discovering the father's rights, men's rights movements, and the figures that are out there that have done such great work so far. And I went, why hasn't things changed? I started asking a lot of these questions. Well, now I'm in pure investigator mode, com what I call warrior mode mentality of they shouldn't do this to a parent, man or woman. Agreed. Number two, they shouldn't weaponize a child. My attorney even sent her attorney a letter saying, you filed a false TPO, we have the evidence it's false, and you are weaponizing the child. Literally said that in the letter. I still have it. Great. So now you have one attorney on a legal document on their letterhead telling another attorney, you have intentionally gone out of your way to weaponize a child in this case, and it's unlawful. It is extremely unlawful. Yes, sir. Okay. But nothing happened. Nothing changed. And I thought, 
I got to figure this out. So somebody's missing something. So I got together some veterans. We all started talking. We decided to do some research. And I'm in the IT field. I've been in the DFIR, digital forensics and response industry for over 35 years, renowned, published, blah, blah, blah. Well, you run into experts in the field. So I started bringing in data analysts, big data experts. They were volunteering their time. We started pulling in data. And we were doing demographic research, macroeconomics. We were throwing everything in there. And I said, how long has this been going on? Over 120 years. So men have been fighting for rights over 120 years. Nothing's happened. 120 years. Yeah, 120 years. I can, we can trace it all the way back 120 some odd years. I think it's 125. And I went, okay, nothing's happened. But instead, the feminist movement, backed by neo-Marxism, and I'm not going to get into the politics of it, has made tremendous headroads. Why? What have they done different than what we've done? Okay, well, when I started asking those questions on just kind of a flippant comment after we were going over some of the data one night, so I said, we need to sue the fuck out of people. Just flip a comment. So we'd meet twice a month, met again. And I said, okay, guys, where are we at? And one of the analysts looked at me, world-renowned. He said, Bill, you're right. Right about what? What did I say? And he goes, men are not litigating. And I went, no, come on. Come on, look, guys, we're smart. I'm no genius. And every time I come up with an idea, someone's already thought of it. He goes, no, literally, dude, nobody is doing it. No one has done it. Hmm. And I went, Let's explore this more. So we looked at it, and sure enough, we've come up with over 500 cases through time in which the feminist rights, women's rights movement has successfully litigated, which is either a direct, a primary, secondary, or tertiary connection to changes in law okay. or changes in courtroom sentiment and activity. This is direct one-to-one. It's perfect how it matches up. So I went, okay, litigating. Let's go into this a little deeper. Who's the most underrepresented demographic? Well, fathers. I'm like, okay, let's tear apart the father onion. Let's figure out, is it by race, creed, national origin, religion? Let's figure this out. Next couple of weeks come by, we had another meeting, and they all went veterans. I went, what? They were like, veteran dads are being picked on in the courts. So this, this was literally their comment. And I went, you're kidding. They went, no. I said, okay, we got our demographic. How are we going to structure this? So we built our 501. We officially launched last 22 uh, Thanksgiving officially our nonprofit, and we're focused on helping veteran fathers, fathers, and their children through the family court child custody processes, not in family court. And we'll go into our donation venues here in a minute, but our purpose and our mission is built on the same framework as the ACLU. Let's talk about that a second. The ACLU was set up to fight for equal rights. They don't give a damn about men. So I've called them, several men have called them, I've documented civil rights violations, violations of constitutional federal law, they don't give a damn. They really don't. And attorneys, if you talk to attorneys and you say, hey, the ACLU's lost their way, attorneys will even say, yep, absolutely definitively. Will they go on record and say that? No. So we're built on the ACLU framework. How's that work? Well, we can set up affiliate offices directly affiliated with veteran fathers throughout the globe. Once the affiliate office is set up, you can set it up in your city, in your state, however you want to do it. You're now an independent organization running to support the fathers and children in your state. Okay, you're responsible for your own donations. The only thing you're responsible back to the, the headquarters office here in Atlanta is the same annual annual inspection. We'll go through everything, make sure you're following the bylaws. Uh, we've done all the marketing. We've got the framework. We've got the websites. We've got everything. All you have to do is set up and start working. Now, you'll have to go through the affiliate program and qualifications for that. You're going to have to do a board level presentation, get your deck together, and you're going to have to bring on some initial funding to get you up and running, essentially what you have to do, because nonprofits are a business. You have to run it like a business. If you don't, you're going to fail. All right, so we got all that lined out. We have a mission. What's the mission? Is to take 
these legal proceedings out of family court. Let me explain why. On appeal, if you decide to go through the appellate system in family court, men suffer a 99.657% loss rate. In other words, it's 100% guaranteed you appeal through family court proceedings on a family court or child custody matter. As a man, you will lose 100%. 99.9. I beat it once. Just once. Yeah. Now, just there once. are there are outliers. Oh, yeah. There are outliers, such as yourself. And I hear that occasionally. I'm like, dude, you just missed what I just said. Broad spectrum, you're going to lose. Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you have the money to go through the family law appellate system, let's take it out of the family court venue. Let's go civil. Let me explain this. We spent five years modeling this. We looked at, oh my God, so much stuff. It's just mind boggling. The tobacco lawsuits, big famous lawsuits, a national lawsuit, right? Remember those? Oh yeah. How did they get started? Small cases. Absolutely. Small cases in local and state level courts. So eventually a big law firm come along and went, y'all following this? Let's have a meeting in here. Let's get all this together. So they started calling these law firms, started calling these family members, started having more depositions, filed more subpoenas, got some warrants, warrant action in place. And they built a national lawsuit against the tobacco companies and won. Oxycontin, same way. You're right. Guess what's coming next? mRNA vaccinations are coming next because now the families are winning small lawsuits. That's how this has to be done. That's why we set it up under the same model as the ACLU. We have to win at the state and local levels first. Once we win at state and local levels, we're going to now file a national suit because it all fall within veteran fathers, and we're going to win a massive, and right now, and don't get excited over this dollar figure when I give it to you, it looks like veteran fathers under this model has opened up a multi-trillion dollar legal industry. Wow. So you go from a $700 billion family law industry to a multi-trillion dollar litigation industry that has no end. It has no end until Congress forms both houses of the Senate, the president and the Supreme Court shows up, and I'm on the floor of the House speaking in front of an assembly. Will we stop? Like your style, kid. It'll be a, literally, it'll be a father's State of the Union address. And if you're a member of Congress, you're a member of the House, and you're listening to this, you get access to that, or maybe one of your followers says, hey, listen to this guy. Fast forward to this part of the of the podcast. I will not stop. Veteran fathers will not stop until all 50 states and four U.S. territories face default. That means as a nation, we may be close to sovereign default. Hmm. And we have legal grounds to pursue it. Think about that. All the laws say, yep, pretty much. You got it, baby. No way we can lose. Sovereign default. That means war. You default on loans to China and Russia and to the World Bank. They're going to come in. They're going to say, you know what? We want this loan collateralized. We want aircraft carrier George Bush. And we can't argue. Devil's advocate. How does that help our kids in the future? Helps our kids in the future because of this. The United States government won't allow it to go that far. Correct. They won't allow it. They will step in. From everything we can figure, and our numbers are very rough, and we're just taking, these are guesstimations. By the time the third state goes into default, federal government will step in and go, what do you want? What will it take to fix this? Okay. And right now, here's our framework. Real simple. We call it Savannah's Law for my daughter. And that is mandatory 50-50 custody. Both parents pay into child support, an equal percentage based on their income. From that, an EBT card is issued. EBT card has guidelines under it that only money from that account gets spent on just the child. At the end of each 30 days, both parents exchange the balance and receipts, and they both look through the account. 
if something out of the account was spent for something other than the child, the other parent has the obligation to challenge it, take it in the magistrate's court, which is a lower civil court, mm-hmm. present it to the judge and get financial compensation from that. Very easy. Now, what is it? What did I just describe? I just described the total destruction of family law and child custody processes. Total destruction. The entire industry goes away. Attorneys now don't have that job. They're going to have to figure out what other vocations they're going to get into. Judges don't have to worry about their dockets getting filled up with all these parents fighting. They now can focus on important cases. Remember, it's mandatory. Mandatory 50-50. Number one. Now, are we going to have outliers? An abusive mother, an abusive father? Yes. Of course. Okay, but that's why the courts are set there to do that. Okay. But if you get rid of family court, they now have to go in civil and criminal litigation forums, okay, which has a higher criteria for evidence. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing with family court. The criteria for evidentiary value is so low, hearsay is accepted, which gets into the silver bullet. There was a recent uh, young man on TikTok who committed suicide because he was exposed to the silver bullet. Yeah. Okay. And so everybody knows silver bullet deals with a false allegation. Could be anything. Could be domestic violence. Could be sexual assault or battery. Could be anything. That's a silver bullet. It's based on hearsay. No evidence. Just, oh, well, he did this. He was talking to a minor. Well, if you look through it, my personal belief, he was set up. And why? People get set up with a silver bullet of false allegations for two reasons. Primary reason is money. There's a monetary gain in it. There's a money model to it. Fathers going through the divorce system understand, oh, it's monetary gain. I published a video of an assistant district attorney coaching other attorneys and tell them legitimately, file a silver bullet and you stand to get more money out of your case. Literally said that in the video. It's out there. You can download it. I get it up on TikTok, Facebook, X, Instagram. You can look at it. Email me that link. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, it's out there. District attorneys, and that's called willful misconduct with knowledge of forethought. Already have described three felonies. Mm -hmm. But the district attorney, not in prison, because fathers were not pursuing this in civil and criminal litigation. We're so laser-focused in on our own stuff we fail to step back and go, wait, there's a bigger problem. We fixed a bigger problem. My stuff's going to get fixed. Yeah. I hear this from women. Well, what if it shows up the mother's guilty of all this? You're going to send a mother to jail? Yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you just put a mother in jail? Why do you want to put a father in jail? See, that's the question. And men need to get smart with these discussions of, wait a minute, it's okay to send a daddy to jail for false allegation, but it's not okay to send mama to jail for a violation of civil rights and federal law? That makes that person who said that an abuser. Yeah. We need to draw a line in the sand. You either are an abuser or you're not an abuser. If someone comes to a man and says, well, you'd rather throw the mother in jail. Wait a minute. She tried to put me in prison over a false allegation and you're okay with that. That makes you an abuser. You need to watch out for that person. Get them out of your life. Get them out of your children's life. Alienate them totally from society. Put them on devil's island. Get away from normal, sane people. Get them them away. You have to. You have children to look after. We got the silver bullet. We got Inquisitor Ghost. We're doing Inquisitor, it's hashtag, Inquisitor underscore workshop for the young men. And young men, let me say this to you. If you're a man, whether you're single or you're involved with an intimate partner, you need to understand this. And parents, grandparents need to listen to this and sit your young man down and explain this to him. You will face at least two false allegations in your lifetime. You can't avoid it. You can't ignore it. You're going to face them. What you need to educate yourself on, and we're doing this through our Inquisitor workshops. You can find them under hashtag Inquisitor underscore workshop. You have to understand what you're involved with. You need to understand how to avoid them. 
parents and grandparents, if you have a male child out there, sit down and help them understand what they're going to be faced. On a, one of my videos, I said, I was accused under a false allegation from a man. Now, what is an essay allegation? Essentially, he said, I hacked his computer system. Right. Everybody that knows me in the industry knows Bill would never do that. Well, it doesn't matter. The company took it seriously. Okay. We parted ways. Okay, great. I take my money. I bail. I got a yeah. pair. I don't, I don't worry about it. But he's still working there and he got promoted. Now, here's what someone who lives a false allegation and gets away with it. Here's what it does it empowers them. Yes. They know they can do it again and again and again and get away with it. He did it for monetary and financial gain and clout. Now he's been promoted. Other people are working for him. Guess what? He's going to do it to somebody above him or somebody lateral to him to get them out of the way so he can now move across and within that company professionally. Mm -hmm. And if you think that he's not going to do it again, you're delusional. Get some professional help. Now, for you young men, you're going to get involved with a woman. Research her. Look at her behavior patterns. If you talk to one of her prior boyfriends and he said, oh, yeah, she accused me of this, she's going to do it to you. You're 100%. Hand grips raised, trigger squeeze, eject out of that aircraft, give it back to the taxpayer, put her back on the street. Mm -hmm. She will do it. She might think, oh, no, she's different with me. Dude, she's gaslighting you. How many guys have you heard say that exact same thing? And I told everybody, I would have been in jail if I bumped into one of her ex-boyfriends because of what he allegedly did to her. Yeah. And thank God, because I am too pretty for prison. Yeah. Oh, well, prisoners would love me. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at men, and, and I did a, a real quick podcast on turning red flags yellow. Here's a good example for me, just so the rest of you young men and married men can understand. We were married, and a man, I'm not going to call him a gentleman, knocked on her door. And I'm working. She comes in, bleach white, eyes really big, and said, there's a man at the door that claims he's my father. And I went right away. Fangs are out. Yep. Laptop went down. I'm ready for war. I was ready for physical engagement. I went to the door. I said, who are you? And what the hell are you doing here? Telling my wife shit like that. And he goes, her mother and I had an affair while her father served in Vietnam. Now, her father is extremely highly ded dedicated, CMH nominee, multiple silver stars, Green Beret. The dude's a legit snake eater. Okay. Okay. And stand up guy. I love frog legs to death. Okay. This man standing in front of me saying that. And I said, What are you talking about? He goes, Well, when he was in Vietnam, we had an affair at Pensacola, blah, 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 blah. And I said, Look, here's where the hell this goes. One, that doesn't bode well you for his man. Number one. Number two, we're going to resolve this. You need to get off my property. You need to get out of here for this ends up being very bad for you. Yeah. Okay. But her mother had gaslit this guy so much. Had convinced him that my ex-wife was his daughter, convinced him that she was in love with him. The dude, in trying to reconnect his past, even traveled, she, her, her mother's from Germany, even traveled to Germany, met with her brother, and did all this family reconnection for himself, came back to the States, hired a PI, found my ex, you know, decided to approach. And, I'm, and the whole time I'm thinking, I thought I was being followed. Now I know for damn sure I was being followed. Now my radar is in level nine. Yeah. You know, I, my gun goes back on my hip. I'm like, boy, that PI pops up the wrong place, wrong time. Mm -hmm. Police miles bring crime scene tape because I have zero tolerance for that shit. So now, long story short, we do a DNA test. Not not her dad. Okay. okay. I feel sorry for that guy, man, because he went through hell. Oh, he, dude, he believed that all these years. Uh, but that's what I'm trying to explain to you young men is, when you're dealing with a narcissist, they will gaslight you and suck the life out of you to get what they want when they're done with you. They will discard the husk and they will latch their fangs into somebody else like a lamprey and suck all the life out of them when they're done with you. Discard the husk 
and go on to somebody else. They need to feed continuously. Okay, they go bonkers. All right, so then come to find out her sister had an affair on her husband who was at sea, got pregnant from a bar fly, a drunkard. Mother's a cheater and a narcissist. The daughter's a cheater. And I married the other daughter. One thing I didn't do, and I kick myself in the butt for this all the time, is not going to her ex-husband and sitting down with him man to man and saying, why did you divorce? What's going on? Before I have a serious relationship with someone, I sit down with them and say, okay, let's lay all the dirt out on the table. Let me know about all the dirt. She said, I had a threesome one time. I said, okay, great. You had a threesome one time. I haven't. But in kind of going through all this, I was like, okay, you sure it was one time? It was one time. Who was it with? It was with my friend. I'm like, okay, well, all right, no big deal. But I know how men think. And I said, if we're ever around that guy, you need to let me know because it will become abrasive. Absolutely. She was like, okay, cool. In court, guess what come out in court? Okay. Under sworn testimony, it wasn't one time. It was a two and a half year polyamorous relationship, which now the attorneys have found out this guy owned the largest porn shop here in Atlanta, which has a glory hole. Oh, no. He participated in it. Uh, I, I... I'm sitting there in court like, <laughs> like I wasn't the, even invited to the threesome. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm, sitting there I'm looking sorry, at Bill. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, dude. I mean, look, she turned me into a cuck. She turned me into a simp. I, you know, you know, you don't know until you know. Yeah, man. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> what the fuck? Are you? His eyes are wide open, ladies and gentlemen. It's fucking total shock. And man, I feel me, brother. Dude, I mean, you talk about going through the psychological and, and emotional, mental and emotional trauma. Now I have to deal with that shit. My attorney goes, Bill, there's all kinds of things you're going to find out in family court. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, man. I said, that's a marriage of fraud. She goes, no, they only look at it in cases of prostitution and drug use. I went, she's a hooker. Well, you got to charge money, right? She was giving it away. Give some gratuities <laughs> for a glory hole? I'm going to give some gratuities for a glory hole? Holy shit, man. What else do you call that? Pandering? <laughs> uh, I mean, that means funny. I'm making light of it, but holy shit. No, you got to. You got to make light of it, man. You know? So that all started the process in building this. Getting back on track, bringing everything full, full circle. Yeah, dads are getting blasted, but why veteran fathers? And I tell I tell mothers and ex-wives this all the time. If you want to do the same thing we're doing, please understand we're not against you, but I have corporate governance. It's laws, bylaws that say I have to stay in my swim lane. Okay. Now, do I help women? Sure. Sure, I help women. Okay. But at the same time, I have to stay focused on fathers, veteran fathers, and their kids. It's sure. corporate governance. If you want to do similar model, but you want to do it, focus on veteran mothers. I don't care do it. Let's link arms. Let's team up. Let's start suing these people civilly and criminally. Let's do it. Yeah. They don't want to do it. They'll complain. Well, you should do it for us because I've become so well known now. They're like, we need to partner with Bill, but we're going to pressure him to focus on, I can't, I can't. As soon as I do, the board's going to meet, they're going to remove me and they're going to put somebody else in place and restart the thing. I can't do it. And with all due respect, there are 2,000, well, that's shelters. There's a number of places that women can turn to that men just don't have at all. Yeah, exactly. So if you go to our link tree, you'll notice daddy's house. And let me speak to that here real quick. Stole the question right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> in our in our research, we found out there are over 2,000 shelters, DV shelters, for women to go to with their children if need be and get help. Okay. 
I had my child in my arms one night. I had Forsyth County domestic violence line on the call. And I said, I need a place to go. I have my child. I'm a victim of domestic violence. And she paused. She was very polite, but she paused. She said, uh, go to a hotel. I'm like, no, I need a DV shelter. I need help. I need clothing, food. I need, I need mental and emotional counseling and help. My child needs help. I, I need help. Sorry, the DV shelters I'm familiar with only support women or they're full of women. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where to send you. Go to a hotel. How cold and abusive has our government gotten to where they hate veteran fathers with such vile, toxic hatred and contempt that when a veteran father holding a child, not even a year old, begs for help, and they tell him to get a fucking hotel. That's insane. What has this country turned into? And you're talking 2021 when you, you made this call, give or take? This was, no, this was uh, 2018, 2019. I made a similar call in 2005 and was told, leave the house. And then I was like, oh, you're telling me to abandon my children? Because I knew yeah. if you leave the house, now you were abandoning them. Yeah. And she goes, what, you're afraid of a little woman and a little old lady? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got that shit, too. I was like, uh, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, well, but then when we protect ourselves, you go to prison. Mm -hmm. You get a DV charge. So doing our research, we found out there's 2,000 shelters for women throughout the United States. Two for men. One in New York. One, I think, is in Austin, Texas. But there's only two. Well, I'm in Atlanta. Yeah. Regardless, maybe there's three. <laughs> Thanks. I'm in Atlanta. <laughs> what am I going to do? I don't have money for an airline ticket. I can't load her up on a plane because she's going to file kidnapping charges yep. against me. You know, fly out to Texas. Now I'm facing Amber Alerts, kidnapping charges. You know, I'm facing all this shit. So I had to leave. Now, all this abuse I noticed was occurring only when my child was around because she knew my personality type. I would not have this level of toxic discussion with her mother in front of the child. But she also made sure when the child went to bed, she went to bed with the child. Yep. Similar. Holy shit. It's all planned. It's all planned. Later, we found out through telephone records and subpoena action, she was getting coached by what we believe is a member of the legal community. So Daddy's House is that. We're going to set it up here, Daddy's House in Atlanta, Georgia. It's going to be within the venue of the 501, and it's going to be staffed and supported by veterans and people we vet. So we're going to be able to employ veterans. It'll be veteran guarded and protected. We looked into getting state funding. And the people in the legislature that's totally on our side pretty much told us we could position a bill on the House floor here in Georgia, but the feminists and the Marxists in there will squash it before funding discussions even start. You won't get any state funding. You're going to have to do it all private. Yeah. And right then I went, okay, no problem. We'll do it all private. Now it's a big lift. It's four and a half million, but here's the benefits of all private. They can't tell us what to do with the friggin' money. Yeah. Um, we've already laid out the matrix. We've already looked at raw property. It'll be a fresh build versus an existing build. It'll be in a secure area of the state. We're going to fully incorporate it. So within the 501 already, I have two investigative teams, one QRT trained and ready, QRT quick reaction team or QRF quick reaction force already trained, full kit, bump helmet, MVDs, plates. These guys are stone cold. I mean- nice. Stone Cold. So we did a couple of test runs. They can be here at my place within five minutes max, ready to go. Now, are these guys you served with or just guys you've met along the way? Both. Both. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, both. You know, I'm a member of the executive protection team at one time. I reached into that venue. 
there isn't a place I go anywhere I do that I don't have my vest and I got a level level three vest with a rifle shock trauma plate equipped with it. I carry shock trauma med kits. I'm looking at them right now, sitting on the back of my door. If I go long distance with my daughter, I got them with me. I carry tourniquets everywhere I go because, and here's why, and I post a video on this and you fathers need to understand this. The single most dangerous event as a father you can go through is the custody exchange. The single most dangerous, let me say that again, the single most dangerous event, regardless of how good you think your relationship is, the single most dangerous event you can go through as a father is the custody exchange. Elaborate. You will either get a false allegation, you will get shot, you will get assaulted, or you'll pick up a stalker. Or get served every time you go like I did. I'd always have a process server. Not always. Yeah. The five times she took me back to court in the 15 years was always on a daddy pickup, man. Yep. Which had me looking over my shoulder. Every other daddy pickup. Yep. I hope you're happy. Yeah. Do them in public. Do them at a police station. Police, the police are, they do this all the time. Don't think you're going to inconvenience them. Screw them. They work for us. Make them do their job. Do it at a police station. Do it in public. Don't do it in the middle of a Walmart parking lot where it doesn't have CCTV coverage. Hell no. Get under coverage. Go to the location. Talk with the manager of the establishment. Make sure it has DVR backup and those cameras can cover that area. And carry some sort of monitoring and recording device with you, a body cam, every single time. Absolutely. I've got over seven years recorded child custody exchanges with my ex. She tries a false allegation. She's going to prison. Because now I've got digital forensic evidence that she'll file a false police report or levy, a false allegation. I have got evidence that she's done it in the past. When we get fully funded, maybe hers one of the cases that she goes to prison over. Remember, mm -hmm. you don't have a problem putting a father in jail. We don't have a problem putting a mother in jail, period. Yeah, I agree with now, you on that. Now, let's talk about the 501 and our basic overall premise. So first off, I don't see myself as an advocate. I see myself as a spokesperson, okay, number one. Number two is... We are set up specifically to litigate, take it out of the family court process, move it over to civil and criminal litigation. That takes money. If we can move it over and start civilly litigating, we're going to win in civil court. As you build those civil cases, you're going to find evidence of criminal activity. Now we'll proceed with criminal prosecution on attorneys, officers, and judges. Now, why? Basically, family court and child custody is a crime cartel. Okay. Why do I say that? So I was a federal agent back during the days of the war on drugs with George Bush, everything like that. And in working with the FBI, I got a hold of some documentation that helps profile out crime cartels. Plugged in all the details, boom. It's definitive. Family court is a national crime cartel. There's no way, no other way to look at it. No other way. Break that down for us. A crime cartel is highly organized. It has a definitive structure organizational structure, has defined revenue sources and chains. But from that, it has cooperation within its structures. If you think of it like a pyramid, you got the boss at the top, is his level of consigliaries, lieutenants, as well as soldiers. Mm -hmm. Okay? So it's a, it's a pyramid. So essentially, it's crime cartel, but it's set up organizationally like a pyramid, like all crime cartels are. It meets all the predefined criteria. It has mutual cooperation, which is called one act and further conveyance of crimes being commi committed is what? A conspiracy. Now you look at Supreme Court rulings. Everybody's heard the old ignorance of the law is no excuse. Everybody's heard that? Oh, yeah. But it wasn't applied to the common man. That was applied to the judiciary and officers of the court. It's specifically written out in the Supreme Court decision. Officers of the court. It's like recycling. They don't put it on the companies. They put it on the, the consumers. Holy shit. Right. See, 
that's where a lot of people don't understand. And I put little hints of some of our legal strategies that we've found out there that's going to, we're going to win so big. I mean, it's amazing. It's going to be slam dunk time when we show up in court to be like, oh, there's no way we're going to argue this effectively. Let's just settle this. Let's get out of this with least amount of pain because that's where it's going. The Supreme Court specifically said officers of the court, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Officers of the court, who are they? Judges, Mm -hmm. attorneys, and any other sworn officer of the court, including police officers and sheriff's deputies, CPS agents. Yep. Shit. I like where you're going with this, Bill. Well, what have they done? What have they done? They've sat around and watched rights being violated, human rights being violated. They've watched unlawful conduct, willful and knowledge of forethought, federal laws being violated and said nothing. Go to jail. See, the way you tear apart a crime cartel is you have to go and get these soldiers in prison. So I hate to say it this way for you deputy sheriffs and police officers, and I hate to put it this way because I used to be a Leo myself. You're going to prison and I don't care. Why don't I care? Because you come after a dad and you weaponize the child and you allowed it to happen. You sat in there as a bailiff and you watched it go down and you didn't bother to call DOJ and file a formal written complaint. You're going to prison. Now, what happens if we start putting a lot of these officers of court in prison? They're going to dime out a lieutenant, a low-level attorney. Attorneys are like mobsters. Once you get them, they will cut everybody's throat to save their own skin. And one attorney will give up a high-level lieutenant, maybe a big law firm, maybe a big judge, maybe a mid-level judge. Judges are mafioso. They will slit everybody's throat, lay waste, and raise the city to the ground to save their own skin. That means we'll get additional judges, maybe a big law firm. And here's why that needs to go federal. Federal will waive statute of limitations and privilege Mm. because of criminal misconduct. Boom. Everything comes into court now. All the privileged communications come into court, emails, text messages, phone records, internal corporate law firm documents all now come into federal court, multi-trillion dollar industry. Now, are you getting any pushback from guys? No. 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 Even men who have had good divorces are totally on our side. Behind the scenes, here's what's happening behind the scenes, okay? I'm not going to mention their names. No. I've, I've got two sitting judges in full support. Nice. One sits on a federal appellate in full support of what we're doing. Full support. Like, found my number and called me on his own. You have to be blind not to see what's going on out there, especially if you're a judge, a lawyer. Of course. Yeah, he, and he knows it's going on. He's like, what you're doing is perfect. Don't stop. It will work. I'm telling you, I'm like, who the fuck are you? And how'd you get my number? Well, I've had about half a dozen conversations with him. And I'm like, this guy's totally legit, real deal, man. How about this one? An internationally recognized hardline feminist woman reached out and literally said, keep doing what you're doing. What I fought for in the in the 70s and 80s, yep. no longer there. It's now become a model of abuse. And you are right. I'm like, I would die to have you say that with me on an interview. Please, please, please. She was like, no, they'll kill me. Yeah. They'll kill me. I can't. I can't say that. But don't stop. But I'll give you hints. I'll help you out. She. None of these people call me on their own cell phones. They call me on different cell phones. And think about that. A hardline feminist, if I was to even drop her name, she'd probably kill me. For sure, she'd say I never talked to him. Just to save herself. Internationally recognized. Internationally recognized. Published. Yeah, yeah. Is now saying the pendulum has swung too far, Bill. It's become a 100% abuse model. And that's where lining with women's groups, men's groups, we're all working for the same thing. We're trying to eliminate yeah. domestic violence, whether it's against the male or female, it doesn't matter. Whether it's a heterosexual, homosexual relationship, it doesn't matter. It's effing domestic violence. 
How is this escaping the masses? How are you letting this happen? How are you choosing one domestic violence over another instead of eliminating all of them? No, and that's very that's very important. I just published a rant on that. And the reason why is they are abusers. That's the only that's the only logical definition you put around them. A man that's abusive is no different than a woman that's abusive. A man that's a victim is no different than a woman that's a victim. Correct. A victim or abuser in the DV architecture is same, same. For a woman to say, well, you were abused or you were scarred by a woman in your life, get over it. What, you're just going to give her a mulligan and let her get over it? You're just going to let her get away with it? She's an abuser. She goes to prison. She gets charged criminally. She gets sued into abject poverty. That's the law. It's applied that way to men. Yeah. Why the hell not? can't it be applied that way to women? And here's why. I'm going to go back to knowledge of forethought and willful intent. There's a law, there's context, legal context, that they're called willful bias, of which judges, attorneys, officers of the court are guilty of, which directly relates to multiple counts of felony charges. In other words, what they're conducting is willful bias. They know that all the research says the father should be sole custodian. The father should at least be primary guardian. Research is definitive, been out there for 25 years. Ignorance of the law is no excuse, but they're doing it willfully and with knowledge of forethought. It's called willful bias. Boom. These judges are going to prison. Now you're speaking on single father household. Child has greater chance of success. We're in a single mother household. It's down to 25. And we have plenty of data on that because there are a lot of single mother households. Yeah, they actually have a 75% chance to go to prison, single mother households for yeah. a male. A female in a single woman head household, prostitution, drug use. I mean, that's what's got me scared to death about my daughter. That's yeah. why I'm around her all the time. You know, my ex has dated someone toxic who, through a series of events, threatened my life. So I filed a police report against him. And eventually I'll make the police report numbers all out there and I'll expose these people who they are. She's got two or has had two stalkers. One lives right, right real close to me right here. Police wouldn't do nothing. Guess what mm -hmm. I did? We need a meeting tonight. I met with the Brotherhood. I said, we need to bring this to a stop. They're like, what's your evidence? Showed him video of the stalker following my daughter. And I firmly believe that certain elements were engaged to get my daughter into the child sex trafficking ring. Oh, Jesus. So Atlanta is a child sex trafficking mecca of the world. My daughter is perfect for child sex trafficking, abduction, and cultivation. She's blonde hair, blue eyes. There's some argument that, oh, that's your wife's former lover. Well, according to all their courtroom testimony, sworn under oath, that's not the case. The only other logical venue is you're a stalker and you're in child sex trafficking ring. That's the law. But the police don't care to support a dad. Police are not going to go protect you. Police aren't going to do anything. That's why private citizens have to get engaged. Don't rely on the FBI. They're not going to help you. Don't rely on the sheriff's department. They don't give a damn about you because you're a dad. It's called willful bias. We'll put them in prison eventually. So if we don't get organized together under a common banner with a very specific achievable goal that's duplicatable, you can do this business model in India, Canada, Brazil, Argentina, Japan. It's duplicatable. We're not going to win this. And if we win, who wins? Everybody. Mothers win. Fathers win. But children win. Society wins. Society wins. Which is falling apart, people. No matter what your beliefs are, everyone's saying society's falling apart, and we have an opportunity to fix it. Everybody is. I mean, absolutely. So you start fixing the court systems. Once private citizens start getting engaged and get control of these courts, and the judges, attorneys, and officers of the court have their greatest legal exposure in family court. So if I was attacking a main body unit, I'm thinking like a military man, mm -hmm. what am I going to do? I'm going to gather all my intelligence and attack them at their weakest point. I'm going to fade a main attack, but I'm going to attack them at their weakest point and exploit that enemy element. Family court is their greatest legal exposure. 
we start to ravage financially and criminally family court, guess where it's going to bleed into? Civil and criminal. Mm -hmm. Guess where that's going to bleed into? Somebody, these judges are going to pick up the phone and they're going to call their legislator and go, yo, dog, you owe me. Help me out. What do you got? Violation of constitutional law, separation of powers. Boom, that legislature goes to prison. Boom, I got another one. Guess where that's going to go? They're putting legislatures in prison. Call the White House. You got to stop this. Separation of powers again. I now got a president I'm looking at or his executive staff I'm looking at filing charges against. Until the private citizen realizes this model right here has got broader, wide-sweeping changes on a global scale. When I said multi-trillion dollar industry, I wasn't making shit up, people. You have to look at the bigger picture. All right, man. That was a lot. Like Bill, we also believe that daddies need to unite under a common goal because someone needs to stand up to the injustice openly perpetrated against men. That's why voices like Bill's looking towards the future and why Daddy Never Cries helping daddies in the present are needed simultaneously. There is way too much fragmentation in the men's rights movement. We have to figure out how to unite. Men, we, even me, we all want to be the heroes in our tale. But you know what? That's the common denominator for guys who are willing to stick around no matter how difficult it gets to ensure their children have a daddy. That's the common denominator that the guys in the falsely accused network and every other network out there of men have. We're willing to put up with whatever to make sure someday our kids can say, my dad was there for me, always, even when I didn't see him. We gotta be there for our kids, man. We gotta. That's who we are. Well, maybe it's time we stop putting up with the bullshit and start fighting back a little bit. To put in perspective, there are no deadbeat dads fighting to stay in their kids' lives, just like there are no honest moms lying about domestic violence. Listen, if you've abandoned your children for your own benefits, you're not a deadbeat dad. You're a fucking loser. And just like if you lie about being abused, you're not a mom. You're a fucking abuser. And we have to ask ourselves, why is there not a policy in place where if a person knowingly tries to destroy another person using false allegations, that they should be looking at the same jail time? Or any jail time for that matter. Because all we do, give them a pass and empower the next monster to commit domestic violence against an innocent daddy and their children. And we just stand by and watch. Why does our justice is blind system have different standards for men over women? Aren't we a society that preaches equality? This episode isn't over, so tune in next week to hear the second half of Bill's interview. And listen, man, all you dads out there that have survived hell, all you gray hairs, it's time to dust off those boots, man, because the fight's not over. So here's your call to action, brothers. If you got the gray hair, got your kids in your life, or they're already grown into adults, it's time to step the fuck up, man, because our son's lives depend on it. Our nephew's lives depend on it. Our grandchildren's lives depend on it. It's up to you, man. You done fighting? You laying down? You giving up? You got yours, so fuck the other guy? Nah, not if you're here, you're not. All right, Joe, take us on home. We got work to do. We must get our voices out there. Send us your stories to Why Daddy Never Cries at Gmail or Why Daddy Never Cries on Facebook. Remember, this is a daily and sometimes hourly struggle. So follow us on Daddy Never Cries at Twitter and Why Daddy Never Cries on Instagram. And let your voice be heard. Let's end the fatherless children's syndrome that's plaguing this world. You can't change what happened to you, brothers. So figure out how to make it work for you and your children. When life gave me lemons, I said to hell with a glass. I'm making an international lemonade franchise. So until next time, take a deep breath. You've got this, Daddy. No, no.